countryside in spring. Today we go on a rural drive with General Lee Drunk. Very sunny weekend in late spring. What nicer for a town dweller than to go off and spend a few days at his country cottage. I know not all of you will have a country cottage, but I have said to you. <laughs> Last Sunday, I decided the sounds of the city were getting me down, so I packed my bags and left them behind. Then I went back for them, and soon I reached my cottage by the sea. The next day, I rose with my manservant, Grimbling, whom I mentioned only to get a cheap round of applause. <laughs> we were up at five o'clock... They were up at five o'clock with the morning dew. Uh, what time's the morning dew? Five o'clock. Well, it's late again. But even as I spoke, the sky was filled with a crimson glow. The house is on fire! Picking up the cat, we put it out, and picking up a stout, strong walking stick, we went for a tramp in the garden. Take that, you dirty old tramp. It is barely light. And listen, we can still hear the notes of the legendary night songster. Now the dawn is up. What a wonderful time for observing wildlife. And look, look, here comes the most outlandish of our feathered friends. <laughs> Constance, whom I mentioned, only in case Grimbling didn't go quite as well as I'd hoped. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to nature. Oh, Push on. <laughs> it is absolutely amazing how many birds one can attract to an ordinary garden like mine, with just a bird table, a few bird chairs, four tons of bird seed, an artificial lake, a miniature forest, three concrete mountains, and a scale model of the Yellowstone National Park. <laughs> I fixed up the microphone of my tape recorder on the bird table. It was incredible how soon the birds realized what was going on, as I found out when I played back the tape. This is a recorded bird song. This is a recorded bird song. And before this long, the little chaps even brought their friends to join in the fun. Hey, fellas, it's on, it's on. <laughs> Ready? One, two, three, four. now down to the lake. And oh, look, coming towards us, Martha the Mallard Duck. If we keep quite still, she'll not be afraid. Yes, see how she's swimming towards us, see how she's waddling up onto the bank, and see how she's stretching out her pretty little beak to be fed. <laughs> After breakfast, we wander down... <laughs> down to the farmyard to meet the landowner, a retired chemist, Farmer Sutix. Oh. Now, Farmer, uh, your farm has been considerably modernized. Is that true? Are. I'm sorry. Are that true? Oh, yes. Uh, for example, I believe you used to have three or four milkmaids. Every morning. But, uh, but, but now, I believe, you have a machine that does it for you. Ah. There's a very happy machine, is that? Uh, what else do you keep? Oh, I've got four dozen battery hens, but they've all stopped laying. Can't understand that. I put new batteries in them. <laughs> uh, finally, pharmaceutics showed me his beehive. Before he opened it, he asked me to put a, a mask over my face. Don't want you frightening my bees. <laughs> then we saw the whole network of the bee colony. The workers, the drones, and in the center, the queen bee. Oh, give me about some time. <laughs> Well, while we're in the countryside, this seems a good opportunity to point out that cows actually talk. For proof, 
Let's drop in at Ten Acre Meadow. Hello, Daisy. Hello, Buttercup, you old cow. See that wretched sheepdog? He's on the warpath again. Must be time for milkies. Yeah, let's stroll over and deliver the goods. No, wait a minute. It's only the vicar's pickanese. He's after the farmer's dog, Betsy. Betsy? She's a great dame. Well, that's pickanese's for you. Two chunks of marabone jelly and they go raving mad. Mm. I notice they put Hubert the bull in the next field. Look at him leering and winking. Great oaf. Cuts no ice with me. Apparently one night, Doris got her own caught in Hubert's ring and the evening ended in disaster. <laughs> the other day, she only managed half a pint and that was evaporated. I mean... <laughs> Honestly, she's just not pulling her weight. Oh, they're not. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of which, I see the price of milk has gone up again. A lot of good that'll do us. Well, they did give us a bonus last time. Well, if you can call hundredweight of mango worthless and a couple of hormone pellets a bonus. Yes. I spat my hormone pellets out. Me too. Mabel at them, though. Yeah. And look what happened to her. Him. <laughs> Oh, my life. Look at Mirabelle nuzzling up to Hubert. One would have thought she'd had enough already. So would I. Then she'll do anything given half a chance. Mm. Little boy, drop your toys. No, it isn't right. Leave your mum. Time has come. you got to go and fight. Lose our wind, thick or thin, keep your head up high. Follow in father's footsteps and get ready to die. Tell you why we're going to a football match. A football match. A football match. Oh, we're going to a football match. Nobody get in the way, Ray. Don't be scared, be prepared. A bottle and a rattle. On your back, an armored Mac, you're going into battle. A bag of stones, a megaphone, so you can be heard. A packet of good throat pastels and a book of naughty words. Have you heard? We're going to a football match. A football match. A football match. Oh, we're going to a football match. Nobody get in the way. Ray, what? City, 12 injuries, 2 deaths, 21 arrests. United, 16 injuries, 3 deaths and 2 arrests and 1 high treason. And the players, the players have been enjoying it, sitting in the centre circle, watching every minute. Oops, there goes another one.
Good evening and welcome to another edition of Controversy, a weekly program in which two people holding opposing views on a subject thrash out their differences. And tonight we're looking at pacifism. To fight it out, to fight it out here in the studio, we have on my right Ian Fordyce, a liberal MP and a declared pacifist. Good evening. And on my left, a retired army officer, Lieutenant Colonel Sir Henry Vole. Good evening. And I'm just here to try and keep order. So let battle commence. Ian Fordyce, why are you a pacifist? Well, uh, fundamentally, I believe that for one human being to kill another at any time must be wrong. Fair enough. Well, what have you got to say to that, Colonel? I quite agree. <laughs> I'm sorry? I quite agree. Ah, uh -uh, you agree that what Ian Fordyce says is totally wrong? No, I agree with him. Ah, uh, I see. Two pacifists. Well, let's clear the air a bit. Uh... <laughs> But I, I must admit, Colonel, that some of the people here felt that you might have very strong anti-pacifist views. Yes. In view of the fact that you were uh, in the army. Yes. Well, I used to be very strongly anti-pacifist. Oh, ah, you did? Yes, but I changed my mind. <laughs> when? Yesterday. What? <laughs> Yesterday, I had a long think about it and changed my views, and so I'm now a pacifist. Well, it really is fascinating that you should have changed your views so late in life just before my program. Well, <laughs> leaving aside the topic of pacifism, uh, Colonel, uh, what do you feel about oh, censorship? Oh, I feel very strongly about this. Yes, very strongly indeed. I'm all for it. I think it's absolutely essential. Oh, ah, 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 ah. Now, you're for censorship. Ian Fordyce now, I remember reading several outspoken articles by you utterly condemning the whole practice of censorship in any form. Uh, so I've changed my mind. You've changed your mind. <laughs> you can't have changed your mind. I'm afraid I have. Completely? Yes, yes, I have completely changed my mind. Oh, very interesting. Well, we seem to have sheathed our swords on that one. Um, uh, hanging? Against. Against. Uh, abolition of public schools? For. Against. Corporal. Ah, ah! Oh, you're, uh, you're for the abolition of public schools, Ian Fordyce, and you, Colonel, are... Against public schools. Against public schools. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, Colonel Vole, what is your favourite colour? Um, blue. Ian? Uh, greenish blue. Ah, well, there seems to be some sort of disagreement uh, yes. here. Yes, sort of peacock blue. Peacock blue. Yes, lovely colour. I meant really. How about pink? That's a beautiful colour. Yes, yes, oh, lovely colour. Oh, well, I give up. I've done my best. Controversy. More like a flaming funeral. Pathetic. Well, there's one minute left. I'm going to sleep. Controversy. Excuse me. It's controversy. What? No, don't you start telling me how to pronounce my own program. It's controversy. Controversy? Okay, it's pronounced controversy. No, it's controversy. Ladies and gentlemen, we present a story that will make your heart a little lighter. Oh, thanks, a little lighter. Just what I want. That, and reminds you of the world's halcyon days when it was free. A lot cheaper, anyway. <laughs> the Roaring Twenties. <laughs> Our story begins in Cambridge, 1924. It is the end of term, the exams are over, and the students are breaking up. <laughs> it's over! <laughs> On the river are three chums, Teddy and Rupert Bear, and their bosom pal, <laughs> Fanny Coincidence. They are new graduates, enjoying one last nostalgic ride in a punt. 
Today, they are going down. Hello, what's sweeping fun? No more exams. It's a boiling hot day, and here I am, splashing around in the river. There's only one thing wrong. What's that? I can't swim. Help. Don't worry, I'm coming. Oh, it's all right. I'm touching the bottom. Get off! <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry about that now. Throw me water wings. Is there not water wings? Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I've reached the bank. The chums took off most of their wet clothes and lay basking in the sun. Bask, bask, it's jolly sad to look around and think we're seeing all this for the last time. Yes, we can say goodbye to these crumbling old colleges. Goodbye, goodbye crumbling old, old colleges. colleges. Goodbye, St. John. Goodbye, Kings. Goodbye, Queens. Bye-bye, Bye-bye. <laughs> what are you going to do, Rupert? I'm going to become a puppeteer. A puppeteer? Yes, it's in the family. Father will pull a few strings for me. Oh. And, and how? Teddy? Oh, I don't have to work. I've got a job in the BBC. <laughs> and how about you, Fanny? Oh, I suppose I'll get married if anyone will have me. We will. Oh, dear. I can't bear us all parting like this. Teddy and Rupert, before you go, one last kiss. Right. <laughs> Thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> got an idea. We must have one last wild party. Mm. You're all invited to Coincidence Towers oh, to meet him. Daddy will be delighted to have some young blood about the place. He's a vampire. Oh. And Mummy, Mummy will go out of her mind. Actually, she is out of her mind. <laughs> is it settled, then? Oh, yes. A secret party this weekend. Yippee! Then here's the arrangement. Hang on, quiet, chaps. I have a feeling someone's listening to every word we're saying. Oh. I should hope so. Yes. No, no. Over there, by the punt, there's yeah. someone in the water, prying. For what we are about to receive. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh, I believe you're right. He must be a skin diver. I think I can see his snorkel poking out of the yes, it is his snorkel. <laughs> we can see you, you bounder. There's a figure rose out of the water and staggered towards them on huge webbed feet. <laughs> It was followed by a man in a striped bathing costume. Oh, I say, I like your striped bathing costume. It's not a striped bathing costume. I've been sunbathing by the college whalings. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, you cad, you were spying on us, weren't you? Well, oh, Lord. Oh, golly, oh, crikey. As you see, my name is Timothy Brown Windsor. Oh, I know that name. I'm your fiancé. Oh, how boring. (laughs) You see, it's jolly well not fair. We've been engaged for nine months and you never even looked at me. Well, I'm testing you. Don't you remember what I said to you that night? Well, I don't remember that you mentioned marriage. I said how I adored you, how I was infatuated with you, how I wanted and needed you, how I never slept for thinking of you, how I worshipped the vague ground that you walked upon, how I'd travel the seven seas for you, how I'd buy you diamonds and rubies, how I'd give you anything in the world, how I would die for you. You see, you didn't mention marriage. No, I didn't. The trouble is, Timothy, you are not virile enough for me. I'll give you a chance. You can come to my place this weekend and try to prove that you're worthy of me. All right, I will. So that night, Timothy packed his things. Not virile enough, am I? I'll show them I'm as masculine as the next fellow. I'll show her. I'm all man. Where's my overnight bag? Let's see. Hair cream, cutthroat razor, aftershave lotion, rubber duck, teddy bear. And... <laughs> So they all piled into Teddy's own bone shaker and motored down to Coincidence Towers. 
Pretty soon they were gazing at one of England's biggest country seats. <laughs> I'll get undressed now. Oh, Jacob Rupert? Yes, yes. This is my mother, Lady Coincidence. Lady? Oh, I didn't know she was a lady. I wouldn't bet on it either. <laughs> May I kiss your hand? Oh, why stop there, Billy? Mommy! Mommy, I think the boys would like a quick nibble. Help yourself! Help yourself, boys! Could we perhaps have some tea? Certainly. Lady Coincidence, your daughter tells us there's to be a ripping party. A ripping party? That sounds fun. <laughs> You and Daddy will enjoy it. By the way, where is Daddy? Daddykins? It's no use calling for Daddy anymore. You mean... Yes, he's gone quite deaf. I've <laughs> forgotten. Good evening. Good evening, sir. Pardon? I'll get his ear trumpet. Oh, I enjoy that. Scares the wits out of me. I can lip read, you know. All right. What did I say just then? Daddy, Daddy, we're going to have a party. Oh, I love parties. Remember how we used to do a a poem. No? Oh, yes. There was a young lady called Rose. Oh, used to take off all her clothes. But much to our grief, when she took off her briefs, we discovered she every evening. So that's settled. You'll come to the party. Ah, what party? There's only one thing to decide now. Who's going to take me? But at that moment, they were distracted as a young man burst through the French window. Fanny felt her brow go hot and moist, and her face went red. Sorry, I put the tea on your head, miss. But Fanny didn't care. She was staring at the handsome stranger. He's one of the most gorgeous men I've ever seen. Nonsense, I am the most gorgeous man. As you can see, I'm dressed for sport. Would anyone care to come and let me beat them? Oh, yes, please. Fanny, this is the very honourable... Oh, not very honourable, as you know now. <laughs> The incredibly wicked Sir Bertie Pashington Thrust. He is staying. He is staying with us for the weekend and keep the thieving hands off him. He's lying. Oh, I must have him. Oh, come, ladies, don't exchange words over me. Fight a duel or wrestle in sardines or something. Sir Bertie, you must take me to the party. Take me to the party. Oh, I say, Fanny, that's hardly fair. Surely Timothy, your fiancé, should take you. Well, I don't care. I only want a game of tennis. Oh, I'm a professional. Does it pay? No, it's not a bad racket. Then Timothy... Then Timothy must play you. And the winner will take me. Where is Timothy? Oh, he got a bit behind us on the drive down. Well, he should have run faster. Oh, here he comes now, ma'am. Oh, 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 crikey. Oh, I'm absolutely exhausted, Pagawaggers. My feet, my feet are blistered and my legs ache. Oh, what, oh, what I could do with is a nice game, game of tennis. tennis. Oh, Lord. But much to everyone's surprise and Fanny's disappointment, Timothy turned out to be very good and soon he was at match point. Forty love. Thank you, sweet death. Today she's won. Timothy hurled his racket in the air, bounded toward the net, and leapt it with a cry. Oh, wow! Oh, 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 o
settles it, Bertie will take me to the party. <laughs> That night, the moon was high. Oh, happy moon. <laughs> and the champagne flowed like water. Don't tell them it is water. <laughs> there were handsome young men with gay flappers. Oh, about your flapper. <laughs> and all the ladies were dressed in the most outrageous fashion, including Lady Coincidence. Oh, my, my, Lady Coincidence. You look good enough to eat. <laughs> like a pork chop. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, you're looking like a picture. I think it's Staggart Bay. <laughs> The band played all through the night and one or two other tunes. <laughs> Danny and her mother danced till they dropped. Oh, oops, they dropped! <laughs> Meanwhile, Bertie had whisked Fanny out onto the balcony. Do you like the dress I bought you? Yes. I think it's ripping. That's the idea. <laughs> it's made out of newspaper, isn't it? Yes. A special print. You're obviously, you're obviously well-read and highly intelligent. Therefore, I presume you are in love with me. It's true. Every time I look at you, I'm dazzled. By my looks? No, by the lights reflecting in your hair cream. Oh, Fanny, run your fingers through my locks. I'm trying to, but your head keeps slipping out of my hands. Oh, come here, Fanny, you gorgeous creature. Oh, I want you to have the most beautiful thing I can give. A signed photo of me. Oh, Bertie. Oh, Bertie. <laughs> Fanny, I want to ask you something. Oh, yes, yes. I must know the answer. Quickly. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Where's the... Wait! Oh, I, I can't. This... Everybody, this man is faking. I'm not, honestly, I'm not. We wouldn't find out what's going on, but it was bound to leak out sometime. Oh, yeah. he's, he's not... He's not Sir Bertie Passington Thrust. Oh, he's... He's Lord Bertie Passington Thrust. I suspected he was a con man when he said he was a professional tennis player and then served underarm. So I checked up on him. I found out he's got a history of seducing young ladies and stealing their money. So I hid in his room and this afternoon heard him plotting to ravish you. I've been keeping an eye on him all evening and now I got here just in time before he insulted your honour. So, Fanny, what do you think of me now? Sneak. So Fanny ran away with the wicked Sir Bertie and Timothy went back to his rubber duck. It's not fair. <laughs> of course, all good stories have morals, but this one has very few. That was a partly political broadcast. On behalf of I'm sorry, I'll read it again. The voices you heard were those of Tim Brooke Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch and Joe Kendall, who appeared for charity. Bill Oddie appeared fortuitously. <laughs> the script was written by John Cleese and Bill Oddie, and Bill Oddie wrote the song. The music was arranged and played by Leon Cohen, who's always popping in and out of this program. In fact, coming and Cohen. <laughs> David Hatch and Peter Titheridge directed the program in opposite directions. <laughs> if you can't avoid it, join us next week when John Otto Cleese will once again intone... <laughs> 